Welcome to Storytellers, a celebration of the people we love. We delve into the struggles and triumphs that come with following your passion, pursuing your dreams, and creating lasting change. They have a story to tell and it's worth listening to. My name is Taryn and I'll be your host. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Storytellers. Thank you for joining me. My guest this week is an old friend of mine. Her name is Amy Lenardi. Um, Amy is someone I would consider to be one of the hardest working people I know. Over the 10 years that I've known her, she has really been kind of the benchmark in how to work hard, achieve what you want. She's one of the most organized and diligent people I have ever met. As someone who's academically minded, Amy went down the traditional path of higher education. She did a uni degree in commerce and of course set on to the next stage of that, which was a role in state government. But something just didn't feel quite right about that path for Amy. So thanks to a little pushing from a former manager, Amy ended up pretty much throwing it all in and starting back at the bottom again and pursuing a career in real estate. And while it took her a little while to figure out exactly the right path for her within that field, Amy has most certainly found her niche. She's a buyer's advocate and also a vendor's advocate and and has dedicated the last eight years of her career to really listening and working on behalf of the client to give them the most pleasant and pain-free experience when it comes to buying a home because Lord knows it can be an exceptionally stressful time. Um, I spoke to Amy about how she got to this point and how hard it was to throw it all in um, in your mid-20s to pursue something you actually want to do. Her passion for education and really creating the most the most robust resources out there, especially for the first home buyer market where it is really lacking at the moment. Um, and we also talk about her views on the current situation within real estate. So this was a super informative chat for me um, as one who doesn't know a lot about the home buying process. So I found it super helpful and I hope you do too. I start off every interview asking, um, it's a, I guess it's a bit of a self-reflective question for you. So the question is, Amy Lenardi is? Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Amy Lenardi is driven. I think that's the word that springs to mind when I think about myself in my current situation. Yeah. Awesome. Um, And can you tell me what you do and when was it that you decided that that you knew this is what you wanted to do with your life? So I'm a property advocate. I'm a buyer's agent and also a vendor's advocate. So that means I help people both buy and sell their properties. And I've been doing this since 2013. And before that, I was, because I'd studied economics and I had a a, a degree in commerce, I always thought I should never waste my education. And when I finished uni, went into a field working for state government, because I thought that that's what I should be doing. I'd spent six years at uni, I'd spent all of this money on Hex and it was never something that I was particularly passionate about. It was just something that I did because I didn't know what else I wanted to do. But I remember all throughout uni catching up with some friends who were studying property at RMIT and always just thinking about how lucky they were because it sounded so interesting, but never really sort of thought that I would make that transition. And 
later on when I was working for state government and not enjoying it, but trying to force myself to enjoy it, I sat down with a team leader one day and she just said, you know, where do you, where do you see yourself going in the future? And I said, I just don't know. I've, I've already always been interested in this other industry, but I feel like I would just maybe waste, have, you know, waste all of this effort getting to where I am. And she, she was the person who said to me, you just have to really follow what you're genuinely interested in, even if it means taking a step backwards, because it was a significant step backwards. I had to then start fresh in a whole new career, basically minimum wage, uh, right at the very bottom, and then work my way up there from then. So, but as soon as I started working in it, I realized it was something that I just absolutely love doing. And like, had it been on the radar for you at all besides, I guess, those little kind of conversations you had with people you knew because it's a pretty cutthroat industry uh, or from my perception. So what have, what was it that appealed for you? I actually didn't know anything about the industry before I got into it. I just knew that that was something that I just had this deep down interest in, but I didn't know what the different career paths within the property industry could look like. So to get in my foot in the door, I started reply, um, started applying for receptionist positions because all of the other jobs, I was sort of mid-20s at the time, all of the other property jobs needed experience, ended up just getting an entry-level leasing consultant role. Not It's not what I wanted to do, but it was just to learn about property. And then I started my master's in property thinking that was maybe an avenue to go down. That turned out to be very commercial property focused. So I was like, you know what? I, I do love a lot about this industry, but I don't see myself doing either of those things. And then I was just very fortunate to stumble across a, um, a junior buyer's advocacy role. And those are very hard to come by because generally you get into that industry through either being a sales agent or maybe being a mortgage broker or just having a lot more experience. So very, very fortunate enough to get into an entry-level position there and work my way up, but didn't even know that buyer's advocacy was a thing when I pivoted from government into property. So I was just very fortunate to have found it. Yeah, I guess because, I mean, unless you're buying a home or you have a keen interest in real estate or property, like how would you know that that sort of a role existed and how it was different from um, a general, I guess, sales or um, leasing role. Um, can you explain just what a buyer's advocate does? Yeah, that's a good point because especially in Australia, it, it is becoming more popular now, but certainly, you know, six years ago, it wasn't something which a lot of people had heard of. So a buyer's agent is, I guess the best way to describe it is like the opposite to a real estate agent in there. We're acting exclusively for the buyer rather than the seller. So the seller has a professional real estate agent acting on their behalf when they sell a property and a buyer's agent works on the buying side. So it's more, but it, we're not, because we're not selling a product, it's more advisory based. And that's what I love about it. It's taking a client and figuring out the right strategy for them and implementing it rather than, um, you know, being that sales agent and being restricted to your own product. That being said, I also do vendors advocacy, which is kind of this extra layer when someone wants to sell a property and they just feel really overwhelmed by the whole process of finding an agent, negotiating their fee. And then some people just feel like they need that extra third party to guide them through that process. So my in vendor advocacy, I help people with that agent selection and negotiation. 
Yeah, awesome. Because, I mean, buying a home is no small feat um, and can, I assume, be very stressful um, for buyers and vendors alike. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing that must be quite rewarding when you do help somebody secure their first property or, um, yeah, make a good sale. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, different people see different value in the process too. Sometimes people just, they just want an advocate to get them a good deal, but other times they just want someone to hold their hand throughout the whole process and say, yes, this is the right decision that you're making, or this is the right path you're going, that that you're taking. And just having that knowledge that they're not making a mistake because you can make massive mistakes when it comes to property. It's a lot of money and it's a, it's not a very liquid asset, you know, you, you make a mistake and it can set you quite far back. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, you, I mean, you own a couple of properties yourself as well. Yep. Yeah. I do. Um, so how has your experience been, I guess, on the, on the flip side? So I started, I bought my first property six years ago now. And before that, before I was in in the property industry, actually, I always just assumed that buying property was only for rich people, that property investing was only for rich people. And it was only when I was introduced to the idea by my accountant and she really spelled out, well, this is how much you need to do it. This is how much it would cost you to, to do it going forward. I thought, you know what, this is a, this is actually achievable for me. So I was lucky to have her in my life to sort of point me in that direction. Otherwise, I don't think I would have ever contemplated it. And then since then, I've been really passionate about sort of educating people on the the accessibility, but also the risks of getting into the market, whether that's buying your own home or an investment. At the moment, I guess as well, like it's quite a quite a, tr- a tricky market, I would say, just from my observations. Yeah, tricky. I mean, it's there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment and that's because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Like don't get me wrong, the economy right now is um you know, there's there's a lot of uncertainty into how it's going to impact the property market because so far we've had a lot of stability, but next year is really going to be when the tide might turn. And I think that the, that it's the problem is that the media what they put out and I was reading an article just today which the headline was just clickbait saying property prices were going to drop 40%. But then the content of the article said, well, this is what would happen if hypothetically, worst case scenario, the market dropped 40%. And people, if they're not like analytical in their thinking, they just focus on the negative things. And I think the pe- the pessimists out there focus on the negative news and it just creates this self-fulfilling prophecy. I think that mm-hmm. people need to really understand that with property, it is always very much a long-term decision that needs to be made and it's it's something which needs to be made based on the right time for the individual rather than their prediction, predictions around the future because what I can say is that all of the predictions in the past have generally been wrong. Yeah. <laughs> How interesting. <laughs> um, do you, so you've recently gone out on your own. Um, can you tell me your journey to get to that? Um, and then I guess what have been the struggles that you've had to overcome and how have you overcome them? Yeah. So I've been, I was working with another firm for around seven years. And I mean, that's, I guess, a long time to be in any role these days, but just long story behind, you know, the reasons, um, going our separate ways there. But 
I am very passionate about not only doing my job, but also the education side of my business. So I have a first home buyer podcast. That is something that, you know, doesn't make me money now, might in the future, who knows? It's just something which Mm -hmm. I really get a lot of satisfaction putting this information out there because like I said before, the property industry is full of misinformation and first home buyers have no idea what they're doing. And unfortunately, our industry is very unregulated too. So there's people putting information out there that is just blatantly incorrect or misleading. So I've got a real passion around changing that and changing the way that first home buyers obtain their information. Um, And then also I have ideas around building more of the education side of my business too, because not everyone can or not everyone wants to or can afford to hire a buyer's agent. So I feel like there's a large portion of the market out there who needs help, but can't necessarily afford the help of a buyer's agent. Yeah. And so can you tell me about your business? (laughs) Ah, about my business specifically. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So, I mean, it's only been a couple of months now since I'm going out on my own. And I suppose the biggest challenges for me is more going to be around the future and maybe scaling the business and deciding what I want to do because right now it's just me. I might get some admin support. It's it's going to be deciding whether it's just going to stay me and I'm not unhappy about that or potentially, mm-hmm. you know, scaling it on, on some level. Um, ultimately, you know, if, if life changes and I have a family and I do other things, I'll have to think about that. Um, but right now, very happy doing what I'm doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And can you tell me what it took, um, kind of the steps you took to start your business and were there any, yeah, big challenges or struggles that you had to overcome? For me, I think the main thing is around self. I find it a bit challenging to do all of the self-promotion and the copywriting and the, um, the marketing, because it's not my strength. I would say being creative is something which I've, I really have to force myself to do. That being said, I'm so particular with the way that I like things done. I generally have to do it myself anyway. (laughs) So that for me took the most, I suppose, mental time and energy to put everything together with the collateral and the website and the marketing side of things. Um, Everything else for me was very straightforward because I already had all my licenses in place. I've had that for a very long time. I already had an ABN from previous business Um, So and insurance. So the the admin side of things was easy. But yeah, marketing and having to write copy about yourself and put a brand together, that was the hard part. Yeah, it's really hard to write about yourself to write in the third person. Even (laughs) I struggle to do it. It feels really wanky. (laughs) I know. It's like when you're in a job interview and they say, what's your biggest weaknesses? And you're like, oh, how do I say this without being pretentious? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Can you tell me a bit more about your podcast? Uh, That was a question I actually had for you. Yeah. So my podcast is, it's purely for first home buyers and it is the first of its kind out there. For starters, I did a lot of market research into this and there's no dedicated first home buyer podcast, which I thought was really crazy considering there's something like a hundred thousand first home buyers per year in the market. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a podcast for everything else. (laughs) There's a podcast which just has a cat that's purring for 20 minutes at a time. (laughs) I mean, I'm cheating. And I think, I think, so there's a lot of podcasts out there that have um, 
that have just segments of information here and there. And then it's up to the first home buyer as a listener to piece it all together, but there's no, there's no comprehensive one. So my podcast is a start to finish guide. So at the very beginning, before someone might even have saved a dollar for their deposit, all the way through to saving that money, money mindsets, first home buyer challenges, getting a loan, going through the finance process, and then the the actual buying of the property. And that's something that I feel like is definitely not covered out there in podcast land, or there's not even a lot of like good online literature about it. And I think that one of the reasons is because that can really only be written or, or produced by a buyer's agent who buys properties all of the time and has that like fundamental experience in doing so. So for me, I'm excited because it's the way that if I listen to the podcast, a podcast, it's how I would want to listen, which is like, all right, these are all of the steps. And if I listen to this from start to end, I'm going to learn how to do this whole thing. Yeah. Awesome. And so um, firstly, what's it called? It's called the buyer's Bible. Awesome. Um, and do you have like a, have you got like a set amount of episodes that you're going to do? Have you already kind of mapped out what that looks like? Oh yeah. I have plan. like I'm such a planner. So this was all planned like well before I started doing any work on it. So there's 30, around 30 episodes. I might like squeeze mm-hmm. a few more in, but 30 episodes. And as of today, you know, the end of August that we're recording this, we're up to episode 11. So only about a third of the awesome. way through. And would you look to maybe kind of extend into a different topic after this or like continue on your future? In the future, I would probably do something more around property investing for beginners Mm -hmm. because, again, I think that that's that's a a topic which could be taught much better. Right now there's very Mm -hmm. good in my opinion, good resources, which is like a start to finish guide. Like where do I begin? And then where am I aiming to end up? Yeah. Um, what would be your recommendations? What are your kind of top tips for people who are wanting to purchase their first home? So top tips would be to speak to, to surround yourself with the right professionals and speak to a mortgage broker and one that you can really connect with early on. It's, it's never too early to speak to a broker because a good one who works with financial, sorry, who works with first home buyers will be able to put you on a, like a, a, the right course of action. And then you can check back in with them six months, a year, however long it takes. Um, and they'll be able to really like hone in on your spending habits and make sure that you can get loan ready. Because if you can't get a loan, you're not going to be able to buy a property. Uh, Secondly, I would say to do a lot of market research before you start because as soon as as you've got your loan, you're ready to buy and you don't want to then be wasting, you know, six months investigating the market. And there's a lot of, as soon as I talk about research, a lot of people's eyes glaze over because it reminds them of, you know, doing homework. But Mm. there's, there's so much free resources and through realestate.com.au and domain by just going into the, you know, how we've got the for sale, for lease and the sold areas, just go into the sold areas. Don't focus on the stuff currently for sale because those prices are not what it's going to, you know, necessarily Mm -hmm. sell for. See what things have been selling for. Like learn about the suburbs that you're going to be buying in. What streets seem to be performing better? What types of dwellings are in demand? Start going to open some inspections, start going to auctions so you can get a feel for like listening to how people communicate with the agent and the lingo. So just 
I guess, exposing yourself as much as you can to the market before you're ready to buy. Um, Thirdly, it would be to make sure that you always just do those due diligence steps whenever you actually go to buy a property, which is getting a contract review, getting a building inspection, speaking to the body corporate, calling council. You must do all of those things. I've heard horror stories of first home buyers who, you know, maybe do that for a few properties and then they go to auction on another one because they're fed up with the whole process and they just buy it without doing their homework. And, you know, it might be fine, but it could be disastrous. Um, just and then, yeah, exactly. Um, another one would be to not let your friends and family's opinions on what you need to do or what the right thing is for you to cloud your judgment. And the main way to overcome that, because there's so everyone's going to have an opinion, the main way to overcome that is to really nut your personal strategy and your goals out at the very beginning and then not deviate from that because you've put all of the effort into it. So you know where you're going to end up so that, you know, if your dad or Uncle Joe or your cousin's like, no, that's not the right thing to do. You should buy this in this suburb because, you know, that's going to grow or whatever. You'd be like, no, well, that doesn't align with my goals. So you can always just come back to that. And then the last one would be to work with the agents rather than against them. There's a lot of great agents out there. There's a lot of really crappy ones too, but you just need to understand that at the end of the day, they do hold the position of power in the negotiation and in the process because they have access to the vendor. They're that filter in between. So agents are going to be the ones who are going to give you off-market properties. They're the ones that are going to call you up when a property is selling or you know, offer you another property if, if you miss out an auction and They've got a similar one up their sleeves. Like if you work with them, then you'll just get such a better outcome than ignoring their calls or being rude or grilling them. And yes, I know that can be frustrating, especially when the agent is maybe being difficult to deal with, but it's just one of those sort of processes that you have to go through. So those are my top five tips. Wonderful. So you've touched on it a little bit before, but I guess what's kind of, yeah, what are you excited about and what are you looking forward to? I'm very excited about, well, first of all, building my business because yes, I've always enjoyed looking after my own clients working at my previous place, but now there's just this like really deep satisfaction of building my own personal brand and like having this really intimate relationship with all of my clients But then, yes, like I said before, it's also building up the education side of things. And that is something that I just get so much satisfaction from because I'm getting all of these strangers just contacting me on social media saying that how much this has helped them. And Mm -hmm. like that for me, for them to take the time and effort to reach out and say that it just really, really, really satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a, it's, it's terrible. It's a minefield and it can go, as you said, it can go so wrong. So just, I feel like having a really trusted, strong voice who is willing to be very open and honest and realistic about the process of buying a home. Um, it, it actually takes a lot of the stress off it, even if, especially if you're knowing what the hardest parts are, like at least, you know, before you're going, stepping into that process. Yeah. And also what I want to highlight to everyone is that 
it is a hard process and there are so many things that you don't, like you don't know what you don't know, right? So, and if you don't know what you don't know, how are you supposed to know the right questions to ask or how to do your own research? So for me doing these 30 episodes, sometimes people reach out and they're like, oh my gosh, I never even thought of that. Or I didn't know that that was a thing. So it's just explaining to people that there is this whole, whole big minefield out there that you need to be aware of. So just to be a little bit more, um, like do your homework, but also just be more critical of, of Mm -hmm. all of the steps and what other people say. And don't just take something that you've read online as being gospel because there's, there's forums out there and gosh, I'm on, I'm on a bunch of Facebook groups just for like market research and someone will ask a question and you'll have 20 people telling them 20 different things that they should do. So I feel like that there's a lot of um, issues with those kind of, yeah, online platforms that we need to just yeah. break down. And I can imagine there would sometimes be a few not so, not so nice people out there who would want to take you for a bit of a ride or just, and so just knowing kind of having or that knowledge already in your back pocket so that if you do encounter something that doesn't feel quite right or you're like, oh, I don't know if they're quite telling the truth, like at least you've then got the tools to work to, to kind of question it. Absolutely. So the real estate industry is fraught with people trying to sell stuff. And when I say that, I'm like, they'll, they'll sell something which they're saying is like a great investment opportunity. Whereas, and they'll, they'll claim to be like financial, um, like investment advisors, but they're just selling off the plan products and they're getting a 30 grand commission in the background. And the way that the real estate industry is currently regulated, it's, it's just they just don't have to disclose that. Whereas if you're in the financial services industry, it's totally different. And also the education requirements for property is just they're so low. It's like a one-week course to be able to be um, to work in real estate and to be able to provide like investment advice. So, yeah, just be aware that that's another tip too. If someone's trying to give you free advice, someone's trying to um, – yeah, there's nothing There's nothing that's free. They're going to be getting paid by someone at some point or that, that commission's going to be built in the price of the property that you're paying. Yeah, that's really good advice. Um, that's kind of all the questions I have for you, but did you have anything else you wanted to add or...? Um well, if you're a first home buyer, listen to the podcast. That's just my um, number one tip because, yeah, like I said, you don't know what you don't know and this is very much impartial advice, just basically explaining the fundamentals of all of the steps along the way. And then, you know, if if you are at that point where you do want to buy a property and you do feel like you just need that extra layer of professional help, then I do have my buyer's advocacy services too. Or if you know someone that's looking to sell and just finding it struggling a little bit with the process, then yeah, reach out to me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you're doing, yeah, I've I've really wanted to chat to you because I feel like you're doing something that's, I guess, kind of, you're really putting out really good information for probably our generation, first and foremost, who are maybe feel like they're a bit like one step behind in the property market that we're never going to get in there because it's all too expensive. So yeah, I I think I love, I love what you're doing and I love your passion for it. And it really comes across in all the, all the work that you put out there. So yeah. Thanks, Taryn. Thank you. It's all right. (laughs) Well, thanks Um, for inviting me on the podcast. Ah, no, no worries at all. I really like to thank Amy for having a chat to me about all things property and first home buying. 
if you have any questions, please shoot me through a message. Um, otherwise, I'll pop all the information and links to Amy's website and her Instagram and her podcast um, in at the show notes. Thanks for tuning in. I hope to share another story with you soon.